You are listening to another episode of the No Water Methodists podcast, and I hope you are ready because we're going to do the same thing we've been doing for a long time, which is reading the Bible, talking about it, thinking about it, praying about it. You know, if that ever gets old, you're probably not doing it right. So I hope we're doing it right. I uh, I love preaching every week. I have having, I love having folks that'll listen to me and uh, join me in, in earnest meditation and reflection and seeking the Lord together. There really is nothing more important to do in life, and I don't say that because I'm paid to. I say that because it's true, and hopefully as I keep on talking, more people are, are realizing that, yeah, there is real true stuff worth centering our lives around. So I hope you come to know more about the Lord and how it is that he's calling you to live in this time of meditating on 1 Corinthians with us. There are 16 chapters in uh, the book of 1 Corinthians. We're more than halfway through. I didn't realize how consistent the message of the book is, and that's something you really only get whenever you, you dive into this level. So I hope that's a gift that you're able to receive in this time, and even more importantly, to be changed by it. So enjoy this meditation on God's holy word. Welcome to the No Water Methodist Church podcast, where we hope to encourage you in your spiritual journey so that you may be a blessing to your local church and to the world. As a general reminder, this is not a particularly happy letter. It's not his meanest or maddest letter, Paul's, but it is a corrective letter because they are uh, not towing the line very well of uh, righteousness versus the world. And you cannot love the world, and, well, you cannot be loved by the world and by God. This is a hard scriptural precedent, but the thing is, as the world hated Christ, it will also hate you. And if you love the world in any sense comparable to God, then your faith is compromised. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are are we stronger than he? The obvious answer is no. Do you want to make God jealous? Do you want to make him angry? We serve a jealous God. Do you know this? I have the right to do anything, you say. We're Americans. Do we have the right to do whatever we want? Absolutely. America. Can America save us? No. Just because you have the right to do something doesn't mean you should. That's why he says, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything. He's mocking them. But not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good but the good of others. This is what we were talking about a minute ago. He's saying it flat out here. Our priority is God and others. I'm doing that to my daughter. I'm not going to do that to anyone else here. Verse 25. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience for, quote, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So he's saying, okay, fine. If it's been donated, sacrificed to idols... If you don't know it and it's sold in the market, you're not sinning. Don't worry about it. But, verse 27, if an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising the questions of conscience. If you don't know that it's been sacrificed to an idol, no big deal. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, 
then do not eat it. For both the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. I'm referring to the other person's conscience, not yours. So he's saying, okay, if other believers are there, yeah, definitely be aware of them. Don't eat. But even if it's non-believers, you have a public witness to maintain. And if you are indifferent to this, then you are disrespecting God in front of other believers. Not a good move. For why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced? Because of something I thank God for. So he's saying, you can actually have, you know, this is not how purity works. There's a funny Portlandia skit. I don't know if anybody ever watched that show. It's not for believers. But uh, they, they make fun of woke people. And these people come to a restaurant and they say, tell us about the cow we're about to eat. What was her name? What did she eat on a daily basis? Was she a happy cow? Oh, she's, she was a happy cow. We, you know, we should eat. What? Tell us the name of the turkey. You know, it, it's obviously ridiculous because who cares? <laughs> it's meat. Eat it. Uh, and that's the thing here is uh, where the whole point is not purity. Like, I can't have anything uh, that comes. The whole point is public witness to others. That's what matters. Verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Hey, that's a good broader application thing. Are there things in your life that really don't glorify God? Well, stop doing them. Imagine your life, your entire waking life, from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep, pleasing the Lord. Wouldn't that be wonderful? You remember that part on the, the uh, Beatitudes, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You remember when Jesus said that? What was the blessing for them? They will be filled. They will be filled. So the question is, are you hungering and thirsting for righteousness, that spiritual food? Or are you hungering and thirsting for something else, which is idolatry? Doesn't mean you don't ever get to have meat. Might mean you get to have less meat than you otherwise would. Is it worth it? Oh, I would serve the Lord, but it means I don't get to eat how I want to eat. Shut up. It's more, life is so much more than eating and drinking, Amen. Life is so much more than bodily comfort, amen? And if it means that I have to suffer for a time, is eternal salvation worth it? So let's exercise that discernment that he's talking about here. Let's exercise some perseverance that the scripture is inculcating in us, amen? We need to finish this. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so they may be saved. And then it stops there, but you have to read the last verse. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So that's where we'll pick up next week. Next week, it's also going to talk about the Lord's Supper, and we're going to have the Lord's Supper today and next week. And I'm just going to see if the Lord is building an appetite for us to more regularly participate in, in the Holy Meal. So the way we do it, though, is we never force anyone to do it that doesn't want to. We always have a clean break after the proclamation of the word because no one should have the holy meal that they don't want or are not prepared for. So what we're going to do right now is I'm going to go wash my hands. Sarah Beth and some helpers are going to set the, the table. Then we're going to have the Lord's Supper, and I'm going to ask everybody to keep in mind the scriptures we've read today and consider whether or not God is mystically acting in these elements for you today. I'm not talking about superstition. I'm talking about biblical holiness. So I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to go wash my hands. If you're not here when I get back, God bless you. May the Holy Spirit work upon you. 
May the, the word be a blessing to you. If you are here, when I get back, we're going to lock you in and make you have communion. I'm just joking, but we are going to serve communion.